Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Thank you all for tuning in to Nickish. It is March 12th, 2022. The Knicks capped off their seventh game road trip with the loss at the hands of the Red Hot John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. But before we get into it, I want to make sure y'all get a chance to check out our website, nick-ish.com, and get yourself one of the cleanest hoodies in the market today. Uh, stock, mm-hmm. stock is starting to run low on, on the website, so go ahead and cop yourself a Nickish hoodie and hat. And while you're at it, put in that five-star review on Spotify and Apple. It helps us out in a big way as we bring in these weekly podcasts to you every weekend. And one more item. We're excited to announce that Nickish has his first staff writer, Omar Faruqi. And on a personal note, some of the pieces I've seen him write are some of the best forms of writing that I've seen with fresh takes. And you can check it out right now on our website on a new section that we're calling Nickish Weekly. The intro to the first post was written by our very own Nafi with Omar's post right after. And without any further ado, let's bring in my two co-hosts here, Naif, Faiz and Nafi. How you guys doing? You better call us Naif and Fasi. <laughs> yo. <laughs> yo. Almost hey, made no it, yo. such thing as a Almost seasoned vet in the podcast game. <laughs> Naif and Fasi. <laughs> Fasi the bear? I like the sound of that. I don't know. Was it Fasi Chris Jericho's band? Remember from wrestling, Chris Jericho? Fasi? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't uh, know. How am I supposed to complain, bro? Three one week, three game winning streak. You know, would have been nice if it was four, but I'm not. I'm not bitching and moaning. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it was all in all a good week. Uh, surprising week. You know, pleasantly surprising. We all, you know, you could go back to our last episode. I think we closed out just like preview for the Clippers game, and I like my exact words were probably just like, "Oh no, we they're gonna wipe the floor with us." So yeah, you know, hey, pleasantly I mean, surprised. I, bro, we said RJ would go off, and he did his thing. So. We, true, we got something true. right. We got something right. Yeah, it was, it was reminiscent to the 2021 times. It felt like it did last year for a minute there. And uh, honestly, yo, with, with the loss from last night, I think I think the vibes are still better than it was the games prior. So, Faiz, off, uh, uh, you know, which game in particular you want to start off with, and what what are your takes from the from that game? We the Knicks did beat the Clippers. They did beat the Kings. They did beat the Mavericks, and they did lose to the Grizzlies. So, one of the earlier three wins. Which, which one of those games was your favorite? I would say out of the three, my favorite was definitely the Mavs game just because it, mm. it was reminiscent of last year's Knicks where, uh, you know, we didn't really have like a standout performance from anyone, but all together as a team, we played well. Defense was cooking, which is what we wanted to see from this Knicks team all year. That's all we've been asking for. And, you know, yeah, Randall went for 26 points, which which is great, but it's not really like a standout performance like he had that 46 bomb against uh, the Sacramento Kings. But all in all, I, I liked I liked all three of the games, but def- definitely leading towards that Mavs performance as a, as a team's per- team performance. Same. I think um wait, which was the game where Cam went off in the fourth quarter? Was that against uh, the Clippers? The Clippers. The Clippers. Yeah, and no, I think I might that just might be it just because the young And we'll get to right? touch on the on the like the negative aspect of Cam just because he's out for the season. But I did wanna just call out the fact that like his fourth quarter just like the game was already in hand at that point, but him just going off in that fourth quarter, it just kinda like exemplified and encapsulated um 
just the flashes of potential we've all been kind of seeing from Cam, but it all kind of blew up in one quarter, and I just mm-hmm. thought it was beautiful. You know what I mean? So that's just my personal fave. What about you, Nila or Mo? Your uh, fave uh, favorite game from the streak? I I gotta say it's it it's gotta be Dallas as well. It was nice that we got to snap another winning streak that they had for the second time this season, and we uh, we win we win the season's record against against Dallas. And um, I think you know all of our players for the most part are starting five played well. Uh, I want to see the the stats that we had. I think. Randall and RJ each had well Randall had 26 points RJ had 18 points solid, solid game from RJ uh, I want which game was it that they both scored at least 20 or maybe even was 30 Was that the Kings game or just the Kings, might have been the Kings game I can, I, I can Julius is like just possessed by the spirit of Carmelo Anthony from Yeah I mean the the Clippers game he had Julius had 10 so yeah it was it was so uh Randall yeah. had 46 RJ and had, RJ had 29 Yeah so eight, and hey, don't eight and don't sleep on my guy quickly, bro. Quickly at twenty seven that game too. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I mean, quickly just overall been really, looking really good. Just want to give him a shout out as well. But just and especially just because a lot of stupid Knicks fans out there, especially like these old school mentality ones. I just say he's not a pure point guard. Quickly, it doesn't have that that pure point guard shit doesn't matter anymore. It's twenty twenty two. You know that, what I mean? His that skill pure set point is, guard is shit valuable. doesn't exist anymore. It's not exactly it's not even in the NBA. Exactly. So I just want to give proper respect to our young gun. You know People I mean? asking quickly to be Rajon Rondo or something. Come on, man. Right? Like, it's, it's it's not about that anymore. It's about, like, how your pieces fit into the complementary play. And we got playmakers in RJ and Julius. You know what I mean? And I, f- I feel like IQ just fits him, especially when he's on like he has been. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're, we're seeing now with Tibbs increasing his minutes. I mean, for the season, he's averaging, like, 20. But now these past five or so games, he's playing closer to 30. And he's showing out. I mean, he's, he's shooting the three more efficiently than before and he's dropping assists um getting rebounds crashing boards so with the way he's playing right now how do you guys feel about the conversation that maybe he's trying to push himself to be that kind of third guy with rj and randall being the top two is he is he at that point yet or do we we got to be a little bit more patient before we can even bring that into conversation Fice. um i think i think uh with players like him and Maxi were seeing this like surgence of like pushing these younger players into the into the limelight really quickly like we, we did that uh, quickly <laughs> no pun intended yeah. but uh <laughs> you know you know like all week we've been talking about Tyrese Maxi being that big 3 and then you you see that game against the Nets he did not come up in the moment i think we got to give these kids a little bit more time before we could really thrust them into like that big 3 thing but I just love the way quickly has been playing. He definitely has been playing like a pseudo third player. Now, if we had more of, uh, if you're talking RJ cam and IQ, I think that's definitely a big three that I could get behind. I think if we're talking about Randall and RJ, I think I want to see a different third player as, as that big three, for example. But I think Randall's play when he has it going on is just a step above them. RJ's right there with Randall and I think IQ is just lagging right behind just because of a little bit of a inconsistent play because he doesn't really know his role entirely yet we're seeing him crash the boards we're seeing him pass out the ball but what I love from IQ over these last few games is if he's not scoring like uh in I believe which game was it I think in the Mavs game he wasn't really scoring he was a zero for four from three but still dished out six assists you know, you you want to see that from him, and he he like ideally, if he keeps this play up, maybe he could be part of a big three. Maybe next year we could see IQ get bumped up to that starting role because 
Kemba Kemba's out of rotation. Deuce is not going to be a starter on this team anytime soon, and we know what Rose's uh, knees are at, so he's definitely not going to be starting either. So it's it's very possible, but still think it needs a little bit more time. Yeah, and just kind of piggybacking off that, like we should at least have a more solid kind of estimation of like that three-headed monster or like you know evaluation of like that the possibility they could be a big three but we don't because Tibbs you know we've been talking about all the time he doesn't just play he doesn't play those three together enough you know what I mean but from what we've seen so far especially lately I do like what I see so if people are kind of like you know eyeing that trio as the ones to kind of push us forward I need to see more of it. I need to see like IQ and RJ and Julius spend as much time together on the floor as possible. And just with the injuries we've had lately, uh, especially with Cam, you know, Obi's been out and D-Rose, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll see where he's at. But I feel like just given the situation that there's no reason for Tibbs not to exhaust that trio, that lineup across different configurations. Like see how those three fit with, you know, Mitch or with Jericho and then with Fournier or Burks or whoever. But just try to see what you got in that trio because... You know, Julius is the vet. He's the guy that was the all-star last year. But IQ and RJ are the young pieces that we really need to get an evaluation on. And RJ's showing out, but I think quickly him him kind of showing more lately, it's directly tied to the fact he's getting those opportunities with the two main cogs of our team. You know what I mean? So to Faiz's point, need need more time. But I do like what I see. And I feel like if there is going to be a big three on the team, um, then that's a trio that's most likely to be it, you know? Right. What about you, Mo? Yeah, what do you think? I think as we check out the next 15 games that are left for the season, IQ, I think naturally, if it's not Mitchell Robinson, will probably end up being that third cog. And he doesn't have to be a starter for that point. I mean, you, you look at the Spurs, Manu Ginobili wasn't a starter for most for a lot of his career. He was that guy mm. that came off the bench, but he was known as that big three. and was a crucial piece to that team and that franchise. Yeah, so, time. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I want to see IQ average at least 30 minutes per game, whether he's starting or not starting. As long as he's getting those minutes, that's what's important. And again, 10 more minutes than what he's averaging for the season for the last five games. That's that's a big you know, idea of what we can see that t- as far as the direction that Tiz wants to go moving forward. And he's definitely – it, it sounds like he's finally listening to to us, and maybe he's finally getting the point that he needs to prioritize the kids to a point. We're seeing more Deuce. We're seeing more IQ, um, and we are seeing more Jericho Sims. I think, Nafi, you wanted to make a point there? Yeah, my pushback on that, though, is just by necessity, though. He's not doing it because, like, he, he wants to. He's doing it that's because, fair. like, we literally have nobody else there. That's you know what I mean? And that's the, that's the gift and curse of Tibbs. He's so rigid that he needs to be— push into a corner to use all the toys he has available basically and he doesn't want to play these young kids that much like we're just seeing it now like like kind of building off the iq topic like him and mcbride have been looking like a terror together you know what i mean it feels like they're like yin and yang it's, it's like y'all remember dbz as a kid it's like watching goten and trunks team mm-hmm. up you know what yeah. i mean like the little two <laughs> yeah. youngins that like playing together it's just like a perfect combo and like they complement each other and i feel like IQ knowing he has McBride in there as far as like being that point of attack bulldog kind of you know lessens the pressure on him to really show up defensively, which allows him to have more confidence in his offense. And I feel like the data and lineup data plus minus all that shit, whatever, kind of spells it out in that recent you know stretch of games that yo playing the young guys together, it's not a quote unquote tank tactic. It's literally putting us in a more advantageous or advantageous position. You know what I mean? So it's basically what we've been bitching about for months now. Like play the young kids because it's not tanking. It's about like, you know, developing good habits and, you know, putting more wins on the board. And yeah, the wins may fuck up our lottery position, but I'm not going to be mad or I'm not going to be one of these fucking big ass babies on Twitter 
bitching about us going on our three game win streak. You know what I mean? Because they wanted to see us tank, but that's that's my take on it. But what, what do y'all think about the IQ McBride combo? I mean, I, I I'm personally all in for it. I, I love the IQ and and McBride combo. I think a huge thing IQ get more rebounds is because McBride has these other the other backcourt a little bit. You know, he he has good defensive tactics. He's closing out. He's helping IQ in terms of that. And you're definitely right. The game opens up more for IQ in in terms of everything with McBride being on the floor. And also, I know it's really underrated to talk about things like this, but you. You like you see IQ shining more because McBride might not have enough experience in the NBA and stuff, so IQ feels the necessity to st- stand up to like step up for the team. And I- I'm all in with what Mo's saying, man. These extra minutes have made a huge difference. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's starting or not, as long as he's closing out the games. That's that's what's real important. Right, and people, some people will point to the fact that his, you know, his his shots aren't dropping, and you got to remember the fact that he is a rookie and really the stat that you have to be looking at is that plus minus stat and I, I can't remember the number. I think it's fifty four from the last couple of games when Deuce is on the court, that net rating. That's a fucking crazy, crazy number. Fifty four. And, you know, there that's what you see when you actually watch the game. Those are things that can't be there there he does the he he does things on the court that aren't reflected on the box. The quote unquote intangibles. Exactly the intangibles. That's yeah. that's the word that I'm looking for. And it's really the def- defensive side of, of the game and just keeping the ball moving. Um there's that play I want to say it was against the Clippers. Maybe it was against the Kings. I think it was against the Kings. Uh, it was a block from Mitchell Robinson that led to Deuce Alley to RJ to really, you know, cap off the game. Like those are those are high IQ plays that Deuce is showing out on the court and the I willingness. Did there? Yeah, the, IQ. the willingness yeah, see, see to it. shoot <laughs> is really the difference between him and Frank Nilakina, who we're all stand at least two of us here are stands of, and. We got one hater. Yeah, we got we got we got, we got one hater. hater here, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Big hater. Deuce, <laughs> Deuce is willing to shoot, and you know shooters shoot, and eventually the shots will start dropping. But that's the difference between him and Frank Nilakina. The, de- the defensive IQ is there, so I'm liking what I'm seeing from Deuce. I want to pivot a little bit over to to Randall because we're bigging up mm. the the young kids, but Randall's been showing out objectively. He's been he's been balling out the last six games. Um, Fact. Statistically, he's been actually better than than RJ. I think he is, he just has has higher numbers on like the three main you know factors of points, rebounds, and assists. So, what, how do you guys feel about Randall right now? Obviously, there's the there's the controversy is on it, Twitter. There's the elephant in the, the room. Energy. Social media elephant in the room. Yeah. So, do we want to talk about that? Do we want to touch that at all? Go fellas? for it, Nafi. What what, what I, controversy are we talking about? What's the what's the big? I'm not gonna here? touch it. I'm just man, gonna poke it ballsy, with a stick. Man, yeah, ballsy, man. Yeah, ballsy. I'm not trying to touch that with a ten foot pole. I mean, All of a sudden, I'll, Nick I'll is getting canceled. Yeah, I will use this opportunity. Shout out to CP or Knicks fan TV, the realest one out here. You know what I mean, everybody loves him. Every Knicks fan that's actually Facts. like active on Twitter or like be out there on the social media space, they know what type of don't what type take of sides he's against on. the he's, family. Don't take sides against exactly. the family. Exactly. Nobody wins in the family feuds. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Nobody wins with family feuds. So like, she, apparently, you know, there was some narrative out there that kind of slithered its way into the Randall household that made them think CP's the one to try, and uh, you know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fast forward because I'm not trying to get canceled. Tweets got deleted, and they weren't tweets from CP. It was uh, Mrs. Randall. So you know, um, I thought it was kind of kind of kind of a what happened thing. to not naming names, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Randall. That's that's respect. Yeah, I title, swear to you know God, I mean? he said, "Yo, I'm not gonna name names." <laughs> I I don't know her personally, so I'm not gonna call her by first name. Respectfully, that's Mrs. Randall. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. 
losing losing causes a lot of problems, man. What whatever you're losing, you're gonna see it seep into the household. When I'm having a bad day at work, exactly. You know, you know what? I can't be mad at her. She's just being a ride or die. You know what I mean? I respect that. You know what I mean? Like much love to Julius and that whole family and that household. You know what I mean? So, just long story short, short. It went kind of left on Twitter. Tweets got deleted, and the whole Knicks uh, online family rallied around CP. The end. <laughs> Y'all got commentary? Go ahead. I'm not touching uh, the, it no the more. The end, but that led to a series of amazing games by Randall. Yes. So that's yes. – Yeah. No. See, Randall – so, so I think the the prime example of that is the, the Kings-Knicks Kings, Kings game where, like, you see how – it was the same day. <laughs> it it might have been. But you see how emotion – has a huge part in Randall's game. Like he's playing mm-hmm. up against Sabonis, who we know he has like this beef against Sabonis. He puts up forty six points, you know, assisting only two times. That that says a lot from Randall, you know. Like he's someone who's getting four assists, six assists a game on, on, without even trying. So you know he was looking to shoot. You know he was looking to impose himself. And if you noticed through the whole week he's been much more decisive much more freight train like getting to the rim much more like he's just imposing his will on on the other team now the clippers game i didn't really like what we, we saw from him he went four for 16 luckily uh rj cam and uh quickly really bailed us out of that game uh i don't know if you guys noticed through this whole week it, you saw uh when the knicks had these double digit leads they looked like they were about to let him slip at certain points like mm-hmm. that clippers game right. you mm-hmm. saw they were about to let it slip but then uh, Cam Reddish comes through, plays plays hero for us, and the Kings game, man. Every time you think the Knicks are gonna let you down, you think you're sad as a Knicks fan. Go take a look at the Kings, bro, because that franchise is down bad. <laughs> That's a really bad unintentional tank. You trade away Tyrese Halliburton. I know this is something we talk about every week, but sheesh, you trade Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis, and you still lose to the Knicks by like. How much did they lose by that day? Like sixteen points? Like sheesh. Ooh. I think it was was it the that, that account on Twitter, StatMuse? They were just like since the trade, since the Tyler Halliburton <laughs> for the Sabonis trade, both teams, both franchises have identical records. But one side was considered a win now move for the Kings. You know what I mean? Like, oh we got an all star big man. We're gonna win now. There's, there's literally been no change in their They got they had, they got two guys on that team that were ranked on that top you know, list under 25 years old, and I still couldn't get up there. Who, the Kings? They got Davian Mitchell got on that Davion list, Mitchell and R.J. Thing. Barrett wasn't on that list. I don't, I don't want to give that. Mitchell, but I don't want to give that list. But they were Kevin Herter over R.J. Like, look, I'm all for these, like, these intense takes, but was that oh the athletic? No, no, like, I don't even know what it was from, and I, I, I start. Nah, I started Bleacher Report. Was. It was Bleacher Report. Oh, it yeah. Oh. It's, it's clicks. It's, it's for clicks. Like, they know. Look, look, look. They've seen already how much that the Knicks fan base comes together around our players like this. But, yo, you listen to, like, the Grizzlies. Last night I was watching the Grizzlies game, and you're listening to the commentators. There are people acknowledging the steps that RJ's taking. Like, it's it's mostly just for clicks and stuff. Mm -hmm. I know that RJ was a high-pedigree player, so people have different expectations for him. But what has he done that's wrong? Like, look at he he's almost playing a identical game to Andrew Wiggins, and I, I'm not trying to say compare him to Andrew Wiggins, but Andrew Wiggins was a first pick. Like they're on like similar trajectories in terms of just growth. If anything, RJ's doing a little bit better in my opinion because he has a more yeah, complete game. Yeah, he's showing more regression than Wiggins <laughs> ever did. You know what I mean? And, he's and he has a more, more complete game. He's playing did. defense. The playmaking is there. Rebounding is there. So like, I'm not understanding what this RJ hate is all about. But you know, I just want to pivot to the the tanking aspect of it because we were talking about the Kings and whatnot. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, on tanking? For me personally, it's like 
we're so far ahead of teams like the not the Kings, but like look, you look at the Eastern Conference. We're a few games ahead of um, I'm trying to remember who's there uh, of the Pacers, of the Pistons, of the Magic. Like we're kind of in no man's land. We're like we're not too close to the play-in. We're not too far. We're, we're too far ahead of those other lottery teams. So I don't really see the point of us intentionally losing games. How do you guys feel about that? No, no, I don't. I. I never want to intentionally lose games, especially when it's a season after we had our best season in a decade. Um, I want to I want to see what we're seeing now. These, Even though we lost last night, and we'll get into that Grizzlies game, it, I, I didn't feel demoralized, and it, and it wasn't from a lack exactly. of effort. And the effort is coming from our guys who are going to be our future. You know, RJ, IQ, Deuce, Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims, you name it. These, like, these guys are showing game in, game out. And that's... And I mentioned this last week, all these losses, whatever losses that we've had, and we've had a losing streak for a while, they're close games, and they, they're tough losses, but they're not blowout losses. And there exactly. aren't that many blowout losses that we've had all season, honestly. And even though it's a losing season, for, for what it's worth, the progress that we're going to see in, for the future, that's, that's worth it. It's, it's an investment that we're doing to our guys. And, you know, at some point, Tibbs needs to reduce the miss for all these vets and prioritize the youth. Because that's the future that we're making an investment on these guys. So no, definitely, definitely don't want to tank. And you know, fuck the people who are saying, "Yo, the Knicks should be tanking." Why are they winning these games against high-ranking teams right now? I, I, I don't get it. And I, I like what I'm seeing. I, I like what I've been seeing for the last week or two. That's a fact. Like you basically, you basically hit it on the head. But like, I just want to e- emphasize and just put a, you just bold this shit for people that are listening so they can pass it on to their friends. If you're actually mad or you were, like, actually infuriated or mad about this three-game win streak and just, like, oh, we're ruining the tank, you're you're fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I'm going to just put it out there. Like, players don't tank. Organizations do. They could make moves. The organization will make moves to kind of set up a team to lose or ideally tank or whatever. But we're seeing exactly what we've been wanting for weeks now. Like, these victories were led primarily by young players showing out with Julius doing his thing, too. And... I want to also just emphasize again, Julius did his thing in this Kings game. And, like, he just saw Sabonis. He saw food across from him. You know what I mean? But the general idea recently what we've seen is Knicks fans are finally getting what we want. And it could be because of necessity, because of all the injuries. But we're seeing the young players getting primarily most of the time. And they're putting us in position to win. We're seeing lineups that we like. And if you're one of these Knicks fans that can't see the silver lining in that, like, yeah, it sucks. Like, you want lotto. You you want better odds at the lotto. But... We knew this would be the case as soon as, one, they decreased a lot of odds, and two, they made that play-in tournament. All that was designed to, like, de-emphasize tanking, you know what I mean? So for us to, like, you know what I mean? If we're seeing, like, our young players get all this playing time and you're one of these Knicks fans that don't like the wins, then to me that's telling me you want our young players to falter and, like, for us to, you know, just tumble down the standings. It would be one thing if we were still, like, you know, riding Alec Burks and Evan Fournier like they're D-Wade and LeBron. But that's just my take on, take on the whole tanking thing. It's just dumb. You know what I mean? If you're mad about this week in general as a Knicks fan, then you shouldn't really be rooting for R.J. Barrett. Cause and just one more point to add on. The difference between this season and the season prior to Zion is that this isn't a team full of misfits where the star players injured for the season. KP was out for that season. We're not, we weren't going to win anything no matter what. Exactly. And we're nothing without exactly. him. So we weren't even seeing that development. If KP... We're still healthy. We wouldn't be rooting for a tank, but because he was out, Knox was brand new. Frank wasn't showing out, and I don't. I can't even remember the rest of the team. And it was only a couple of years ago. This time, we we don't have that band of misfits. We have players with legitimate talent, and from various positions 
and they're all highly talented and they have potential to be starters, role players, and even all stars. So that's that's the difference. We should not we should not be tanking. There's a Back. reason we've been calling it the unintentional tank. Because if you look at the minute distribution, while we're playing the veterans, we're losing these games in the unintentional tank because Tibbs thinks that he's going to win like that. And then all of a sudden now we're tanking and, you know, uh, Tibbs is playing these young guys and we're winning these games. We're winning these games that, like, come on, the Mavs game, the Clippers game, we did not think we were going to win those games. Maybe the Kings game, sure, but... Three of these games were really big wins, and at like like you know to your guys' point when we were talking about that last night's uh, Grizzlies game, that did not feel like a despondent like oh my god I can't like that Suns game that we lost last week where it's like what the hell how do you yeah. lose that? It didn't feel like a meltdown. It felt more like the the Mavs, a, a team who are like one of the top five teams in the NBA, just really showing out. And we'll get more into that later, but um, altogether, man, I I don't know if you guys got to check out that uh, Knicks Film School pod uh, with uh, they talked about tanking with Dan Favel. Uh, they made mm. the exact point that Mo just made. Uh, how this isn't a team that is dis like you know like there's no sort of talent on it. We're not tanking for a player like RJ. We have a player like RJ on exactly. our roster. So instead of trying to get another player that's a crapshoot, because this that's how the draft works. It's a crapshoot. They went into like how I guess the first pick has like the most win shares and then it goes to the 11th pick like it's just where you draft whatever you land with you make the best out of it we got a really good guy in walt perrin who can make the right pick picking up donovan mitchell exactly. with like i what like the 14th pick i don't mm -hmm. even remember picking up rudy gobert with like a late pick and we've seen the knicks do well with that draft well based on where they're positioned so i i want to see them develop and I guess they've been doing that, you know, playing IQ those 30 minutes while, while Cam was still in. And I think we should talk about that a little bit. Cam being injured uh, while he was in, you know, playing him important minutes down the stretch. You know, that, that that's a whole other thing, man. Cam going out for the season. Wanna, do we want to just pivot to that right now? Because um, yeah. I, I feel like we gave enough daylight or, you know, airtime to this tanking topic, which we all, all the three of us agree is just really dumb. You know what I mean? So moving on from that. We to contribute to our unintentional tank or to contribute to like these lineups we are seeing that we've been wanting to see. Cam got hurt, you know what I mean? And I, I got much respect and admiration for the fact that he got hurt on a hustle play because, you know, on a super like, you know, on a different tangent, a lot of what was said about Cam coming into the league and during his time in the Hawks is he didn't have that desire, he didn't have that hustler's mentality. So ironically enough, he shows a hustler's mentality and his his season's over. So I hope that doesn't deter him from being that kind of dude. But how y'all feeling now? I mean, well, I guess the first question I have is, like, how does this affect our evaluation of Cam and his immediate future with the team? Like, because honestly, we had, like, what, 15 games left. That would have been nice to see him, right? But, you know, we got to consider the fact it's a shoulder injury. They said six-week rehab. But if it requires surgery, he might be out for, like, half the season next year because that's a sh shoulder surgery. But just generally, what are, what are y'all thoughts uh, on the Cam injury, his future, and, you know, like what the Knicks should do with them. Do we know. Like I'm gonna throw it to either do one of you. Do we know when he's gonna be reevaluated? Six probably weeks. The end, probably. The so end in six weeks, we'll know if he needs to have surgery. Oh. Yeah, basically they're saying it's a six-week recovery, like rehab mm -hmm. timeline. They're not gonna do surgery now. It's like they're gonna rehab it first. And typically, when athletes go the rehab route with an injury, it's either successful or they end up having that second surgery they should have gotten at the start. And you know I mean, what so. are some players historically? I think Chris Paul is one who who's had injuries similar to this one. Do you guys know? I mean, the dude that the dude that literally is getting compared to Cam Paul George yeah. just had shoulder surgery like twice, I think, on both shoulders. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So he was out for like six months. This is when he was still on OKC, I think, or what have you. Now, but yeah, the good thing, the only 
positive out of his future is that he'll still be under contract next season. So we're not mandated to extend him. We're kind of wonder if we have to and how much we'd have to give him. We can worry about that next year. Um, it would have been good for him to ball out, and then he could have gotten extended this summer for a higher amount or at least be on good terms. But I think it's reasonable for Cam's camp to know that they're not going to get that extension this summer. So we have one more season. You know, hopefully the injury isn't, you know, to that point where he needs surgery and we'll see him come back for, for preseason next season. If he needs a little bit more time, he'll get that time. What he was showing out on the court was very positive, and we, we saw him. And it's, 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 it's very disappointing because we saw him starting to get comfortable in a Knicks uniform and ball out the way we think that he can ball out. And, you know, he was showing that tantalizing potential that he has. So it sucks. That's that's all there really is to it, and hopefully he doesn't need that that surgery and we'll we'll come back we'll revisit it next season when we talk about extension yeah i mean my, f- my my first thought is that he would have been so helpful in in last night's fourth quarter against the grizzlies because yeah. he he adds something to the court that other players don't add and i feel like this is something i've been like just saying every single week since i joined you guys uh yeah, he yeah. adds this athleticism he creates spacing when he's uh, coming down in transition and defensively like you you saw what john them did to us in transition and i feel like cam with his length with his just good feel for the game would have been super helpful in last night's game so that that is frustrating but hey you know i always try to look for the silver linings in these things maybe this is what we needed because uh maybe cam starts going off and his his camp really pushes for like an unfair contract this year that we just wouldn't be able to offer him and maybe we don't get to keep cam but now i think going on to what mo said uh cam's Cam's camp has to be in a reasonable state where they're like, we're, we're not going to be able to get that extension this year. Like, for example, RJ, they come from the same draft. RJ's getting extended this year. He showed what he's played. He, his, his team could make a, a good argument, but now it's like, uh, Cam, maybe we get one more year of Cam and that Kevin Knox and second rounder doesn't feel as bad because, you know, we got a year and a half of Cam Reddish, get to see what he's really like. And, you know, he's, he's been looking good down the stretch, and maybe this injury brings him to a place where he's eager to contribute to this team. And he, he seems like he's been eager. And, man, it, it, it sucks because I really wanted to see uh, Cam and Rose share the floor for even if it was, like, a possession. Man, I wonder yeah. what he would have how he would have benefited him. But definitely think this contributes to Rose being shut all the way down. Don't, don't think we want to see Rose for the rest of the season either because what's There's the point? point? <laughs> What's yeah. the point? He's too exactly. old. Just, just, just ice those knees. Just relax, buddy. Yeah, you know I mean? it's like, not like he's gonna even Rose. get yeah. the playing time with IQ Ob because even you know to pivot again, Ob's out too. He's been out with yeah. that hamstring going going forward. So. You know, what? what's the point of rushing Rose? If, like, the whole point of rushing Rose was to let him get some more burn with these young guys so they could benefit, but now I don't even see the point And one more point to add about Cam Reddish's contract being into consideration, being put into consideration next season. Next season is when all these other contracts are going to be expiring contracts, and we can make right. more shrewd trades if need be. Cause, team options. Exactly, team options. So next th- this summer, you know, we might see potential trades, but next summer is really the time when these these – contracts are going to be more valuable for trades and if cam british is up there and we don't really know how he's going to be playing when he comes back but it's it's worth considering that we don't have to extend him this summer but next year when all these other contracts are up we might be able to add him into a package deal for another player maybe not extending him this year is what gets us an opportunity to re-sign mitch for what that he too. wants or maybe exactly. even get a yeah. player like jalen brunson mm-hmm. that that's we could close out with that Pivoting to Daniel Brunson real quick, just to revisit off our last topic. Well, my last few thoughts on Cam just being, it is a silver lining. 
You know what I mean? Just because like it takes those contract talks off the table to y'all's point. You know what I mean? Like he can't really. I mean, he's represented by Klutz. So I don't know what the fuck Rich Paul will do. Rich Paul will probably <laughs> still come to us and say like, "We need this many exo, these these many I zeros need this on this check." This much money and Nerlens Noel's head on a stick. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like just whatever, whatever Rich Paul would demand. But it is that silver lining where we could kind of table extension talks at least until we see what he looks like in the early portion of next season. That's you know, knock on wood that like the rehab does goes well. But my own my my kind of nervousness is in the fact that like. If he does need surgery, which seems like a very Nickish thing to happen, huh? Y'all see? All right, check out the check out the website, y'all. We got yeah, this is a funny episode, <laughs> funny ass episode. It is very punny, punny indeed. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it'll be a Nickish thing for him to end up needing surgery and be out for six months in his last contract year for us to just like not know what the fuck we have and then be in a situation maybe, where maybe that helps us resign him for cheaper though it could be it could also just be yeah. like you know rich paul is like the mastermind behind his cap now bro Get that to could the be Lakers. exactly so i mean we'll see but i do i'm not trading i'm not trading cameras for Taylor horton tucker that's all i'm nah, gonna say right now hell no. somebody else right named now. over rj barrett on that top under 24 list. oh bro bro take a moment It's just for clicks at this point, man. You guys can't let it get to your head. It's just for clicks. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of the Knicks for clicks type of thing, but like at this point, like they know that we give it, mm-hmm. we're giving them a reaction. So I just try. To, RJ's game shows it, bro. Like if if you're a real, if you watch NBA, like you can just see that he he's developing. And there's always gonna be haters of a player, man. There's always gonna be yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, I don't. I'm not gonna touch that. Fuck Taylor Horton Tucker. Fuck. Fuck the Lakers propaganda. Last topic, I guess, is just revisiting, you know, kind of the back and forth we had last time. It was a spirited exchange, feisty exchange about Jalen and the value of Jalen Brunson versus Mitch. But I'm going to be honest with you all. Did last night that he looked like a $20 million a year pay- player? Because all reports that have come up, come from the Brunson camp and around Brunson's upcoming free agency says that's what he's going to be, you know, seeking, like a four years, $80 million. Did he look like a $20 million player last night? Because I'll tell you one thing. Mitch has been looking more closer to a $20 million player lately mm. than Brunson did last night. That's just my takeaway. But I'm going to throw that out to y'all. I'll say Brunson's camp is the Knicks camp. He's represented by CAA. He has very That's strong true. ties with the Knicks. So I don't, I, I, I'm I, very cheap, man. My brown side is always showing when I'm talking about <laughs> these contract <laughs> negotiations. But I don't ever think he's a $20 million player. That's, that's way closer to a Fred Van Vliet type of player who truly proved himself. But, you know, 16... 18 million that's reasonable for him we're paying fournier that much and i think jalen brunson would be a, a pretty good spark for for this knicks offense someone who would have been beneficial in the fourth quarter but to your point nah he did not look like that player in the last few games but you know with the mavs they're really playing well without tim hardaway jr without a lot of their key pieces and a huge part of that is jalen brunson who's averaging like 16 points i believe like yeah, he, he's spencer shooting what well. he's been turning up to since he yeah used you know they, they've been shooting well from three and uh, there you go spencer Dinwiddie being part of that team is a huge reason that Jalen Brunson might move on from yeah, this roster. Yeah, might be more attainable. But, yeah. but you know, I'm 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 gonna dial back a little bit of my take from last week, where I was very extreme, saying that Mitch shouldn't get anything <laughs> over 12 to 14. He 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 he's been playing his fucking ass off this last week, and he definitely deserves a, a stronger contract. Does he deserve those 20 million contracts that Capella, all these other players are getting? Nah, I don't think so. Just because you're seeing even John Collins and stuff getting those those types of contracts, and those players can dribble, pass, and shoot. And I'm still gonna stand firm on that. Mitch 
can't really offer much outside of what he, we've already seen. But to your point, Jalen Brunson is not a twenty million dollar player. Yeah. And I, I've seen a lot of takes where it's like tw- you paid Jalen Brunson twenty million dollars and all our point guard woes are gone. I, I'm not. I'm not in that camp. I think you can pay him a reasonable contract, sixteen million. Maybe do a sign and trade that involves Burks or maybe a player like Fournier, and then tr- transition into a player like Brunson instead. And then keep him on our roster and add a legit point guard because Brunson's yeah. another combo guard. He he's not a legit right. point guard. I think. Yeah, and I want to chime in before I could throw the mode. Just real kind of pushback on that, not pushback, but just kind of like a rebuttal. Really being that you know, to to the idea I had in the last episode, like is Jalen Brunson worth creating a hole to fill a hole? You know what I mean? Our hole being point guard, but if we move on from Mitch, we have that hole at center, right? And I think last night to me kind of affirmed that. Brunson isn't worth letting Mitch go to me. You know what I mean? I do like Brunson as a player. And this is a question. I mean, I'll let Mo chime in, whatever, but like, and we'll, we'll get to my question later. But just being that, that's where I stand. No, right go now. ahead. What's your, like, what's your question? A good player, I'll, nice player. I'll loop it in. It's more so just like based on, so we, we obviously were complimentary of IQ and especially like his combo with Deuce. And knowing the fact that we got Rokas, who I'm not saying is a known commodity or he's going to come in and be a contributor right away because, you know, we had Luca Veldoza over the summer. People were getting hyped over. So who knows? But, you know, we've got that overseas point guard prospect. We got Deuce and IQ. So on top of the question I posed last week about is it worth creating a hole at center to pay Jalen Brunson? Is it worth creating that hole at center knowing we have these kind of assets lined up at the point guard position plus D-Rose to pay Jalen? You know what I mean? Is it kind of too much overlap going on in the point guard room then? I'm not saying we don't need a point guard, but is it worth worth it in that regard? It depends on your on your take on what you prioritize between offense and and defense and i think mitchell robinson is absolutely crucial to have a strong consistent defense and have that defensive presence game in game out on all positions now that he's lost weight he's able to block a three-point shot he did it two day, two games ago i, I brought up the question last ago you guys remember him shooting uh, him blocking a three recently but he did it just two games ago so yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's being that active guy again he's showing that that level of you know, commitment and also not fouling out, but also getting buckets. He's his last four, maybe five games, he's dropped double digit points. So even if he's not that passing center or the guy who's shooting threes, he's the guy who's guarding those centers that are shooting the three and passing, you know, passing it out. You don't need him to to do everything that Nikola Jokic is doing. You don't need him to be a Bam Adebayo, but you need that guy who's able to guard all these top centers in the NBA. And I I trust him to be able to do that. Jalen Brunson, I don't think moves the needle to that point where it'll be worth the sacrifice of a defensive anchor in Mitchell Robinson. I think, there I think he's, go. I there think he's go. a scoring combo. I needed that stamp. I think he's a scoring combo, but he's not going to elevate us offensively so much that that hole we're going to get on the defensive side is going to be there. We have Jericho Sims, no doubt. He has potential, but like. I haven't seen enough to say that he's going to be there to fit in for what Mitchell Robinson already had. And Taj Gibson's going to retire, you know, in, in the next year or two. So there's oh, going to be, <laughs> there's going to be <laughs> like that, that hole at the center is going to be a, a massive hole. Cause I don't, I don't know if Jericho Sims is ready for it. And Mitchell Robinson is a hundred percent ready mm-hmm. to do what he's doing consistently and take it up a notch. And he's a hundred percent been doing that at least the last five, six games that from, from what I've seen. So I, I, I wouldn't sacrifice Mitch to get, to get Jalen to answer your question. 
I think it just falls on the spectrum of where where you are in terms of do you like you know what do you value more in this NBA? Do you value the creation that uh, a guard can bring, like Jalen Brunson, whether it be creating for your other guards or creating for himself, as opposed to Mitch, who can just fill that defensive hole and yeah, add some offense. But it's just where you value that that position in general in this NBA. I think you guys know where I fall on this. I don't really want to go too deep into it, but like, I just think the center is a commodity that can be filled pretty easily in terms of like through the draft or like picking up another player. I think we gave Nerlens Noel a whole year off this year. And you know, obviously he gave himself the year off, bro. Come on now. Yeah. You know, he got the year off. Just be real. He cashed out and went on PTO. So we're hoping, I mean, you know, (laughs) at the same time, Mitch, Mitch is playing a contract year. Jalen Brunson's playing a contract year. A lot of these guys are playing contract years. So I'm hoping that uh, a center rotation of maybe Nerlens Noel, um, Jericho Sims, and maybe like another center you pick up in the draft can fill that void that Mitch leaves. But I don't know. I, I'm looking at the last three years and I'm looking at the most we've won. I don't really think Mitchell Robinson was part of that that much. Like in terms of real winning, like the the biggest wins we had was with Nerlens Noel and I know everyone's listening to me and thinking I'm some big Nerlens Noel stand it's not about that it's more about I don't think the center role is that important I think if a player like Nerlens Noel could fill that hole just as well I think we'll be okay but at the same time to play devil's advocate against myself last year we <laughs> thought we thought adding Evan yeah, Fournier and adding <laughs> we, we thought adding Evan Fournier and adding Kemba this is like Walker the OG New York or would, nothing show <laughs> Yeah, I'm going crazy. Man. I'm going crazy. I'm, I'm used to like arguing with myself only. But I'm saying we thought adding Evan Fournier and adding Kemba Walker to our lineup, bolstering that offense, would be the answer. So maybe Jalen Brunson isn't that answer. But if I'm going to stand true to my guns and what I believe in, I just believe that the guard is much more important to bolster because you can do a lot more, uh, a lot more in terms of playing Jalen Brunson and Derrick Rose together, playing Jalen Brunson and RJ together, playing Jalen Brunson and IQ together. And I just feel like we really do need to bolster our guard play. feel like giving Johnny O'Brien another toy to play with might be beneficial for us at the end of the day. But like I said, I think it's where you fall on that position in general. All fair points, and I dig those just kind of like, you know, you put your preference out there in terms of what you prefer. But to that point, though, will, like, investing in Brunson as a point guard cancel out any type of growth we'd want to see from McBride and IQ? You know what I mean? That's kind of the main question that's come up recently to me, especially not only, like, Jalen versus Mitch's value, but just Jalen versus Mitch's value while also considering what the domino effect would be on our young point guards. And we got D-Rose coming back hopefully next season as, like, that veteran piece. I wouldn't be mad at IQ, McBride, and Rokas kind of being that point guard trio and, you know, D-Rose being, like, the veteran mentor. Now, is that more of an ideal situation than, you know, while keeping Mitch? Is that more ideal than letting Mitch go, bringing Brunson in, and then cutting Deuce and IQ's collective playing time? I guess it's who's your coach next year. Because if you have Tibbs as your coach, you really want Jalen Brunson. If you have Tibbs as your coach. Because either way, Deuce isn't seeing those minutes. Like, let's let's be frank. Let's be honest. Either way, Deuce isn't getting that growth. Frank, Uh, (laughs) Man, this is the punniest episode we've done. (laughs) But, yeah, like, if if you got Tibbs as your coach, he's going to run. He's he's quote-unquote the ideal Tibbs type of guard. Could, you know, penetrate, can shoot, can do all those things. So, either way, we're not going to see that. But... Again, to go on my New York or nothing devil's advocate shit, um, 
ideally, if we're trying to do not tanking, but if we're focusing on development and growth, I, I'm with you. I think you would rather just let Deuce get those minutes because I don't really. I could see a world where Deuce can play that exact role that Jalen Brunson plays. The same type of mm. defensive, could shoot, can attack, all that type of stuff. But I, I think it just falls on who your coach is. If you got Tibbs as your coach, I think a player like Jalen Brunson would really benefit him in getting the most out of our team. I feel that. And just to show, throw you some bail, just just because pe- I know people, Knicks fans that are listening, will probably be like, Deuce McBride will never be like Jalen Brunson. Yo, once upon a time, Jalen Brunson was also a rookie second-round pick. That he kind Jalen of blew Brunson, up this his year. first year was not Jalen Brunson. You know what I mean? He blew up this year more. I'd say even exactly. last year. Knicks fans were big on him last year, but he did not play that well last year. Exactly. This contract year, on the other hand, he's been really showing up, especially with Tim Hardaway Jr. being out for the season. He's been playing real well, and... Exactly. I, I'm I think, a fan of him. I think keeping it within the family is also another thing I love. I think him being part of Tibbs's tree, like his family being part of the CAA family tree. I think I think it benefits us. But I've been wrong before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my whole point is being like, if there are people out there that are skeptical of Deuce even to this point, I get it. He his shot hasn't been there this season, but the numbers and the lineup data and just like what you see with your eyes, he's he has a positive impact anytime he plays. So that was just more so a shot at people that like. Don't believe in our young players, but are willing to like pay other teams young players that did show out after three years of development. You know what I mean? Like, because Jalen Brunson got picked later than Deuce did, I think, you, in the you second gotta round. You got to add Tibbs, bro. This is this is all shots at Tibbs. That's exactly. All you can't this be fed up with exactly. You can't be fed up with like what Deuce is doing as a young player, and then being like, okay, let me get another let combo get gar- combo toy. guard that was drafted in the second round three years ago. It doesn't make yeah. any fucking sense. Just give Deuce some time. And not to say I'm against Brunson, but that'll be my last piece yeah. on on that. What about you, Mo? If you want to close this out, well, we'll take this home. before we close it out, we actually did not even talk about last night's game. Which <laughs> no, did we? we didn't talk about John. Ja- we we, we didn't talk about John ja Moran. We didn't talk about you know these guys too much. But before we close out, I want to hear both your guys' main. Yeah, uh, you know, let, let's say two takeaways. The Knicks in general were coming off a three-game winning streak. This game was a game of momentum swings. There are 22 lead changes in this game. The Knicks were up by 15 in the third quarter, and then they got outscored by the Grizzlies 31-18 in the fourth quarter. There was a point John Moran scored 10 straight points. Uh, Randall dropped 36-12-6, and and RJ had a quote-unquote bad game, which was pretty cool because 23 points, which is really good as far as you know, compared to what he was playing like a couple of months back. Uh, the Grizzlies had 16 blocks. Three of them were in the fourth quarter, and uh, – that's that's the main summary of the game. So so let's start off with Nafi. Two two quick takeaways from last night's game. I feel like this let's talk about the win streak and just like it crumbling at the start of the episode. May have covered that enough, but fair point. I do think that game last night in itself, me being somewhat of an optimist as far as Knicks are concerned, it kinda told the story of like the last few weeks in that, you know, all those leads we did blow and especially when we were like losing mad games in a row. We did build those leads, you know what I mean? And it was like the young players playing that helped build those leads. We eventually got on a hot streak with three game, three wins, three you know, three game winning streak. And then last time we saw it went to shit because of a blown lead. So my general sentiment from the Grizzlies game is still overall positive on the outlook of the team. Um, and I just figured as soon as they cut it close, Jaw would do Jaw things, and that's exactly what happened. But I don't want to see this like this this job propaganda talk about how elite of a superstar and how much of a cut above he is from RJ when Josh had like twelve thirty two or mm-hmm. some shit. You know what I mean? Like, and I get it. He is a better prospect than RJ. I just want to make it clear it's not like a humongous leap. You know what I mean? RJ wasn't blessed with his crazy genetics. I'm gonna just leave it at that. That was my takeaway. What about you, Faze? 
just from last night. I, I think my takeaway is that uh, two two things. The Nick the the Grizzlies team is much better than a lot of us give them credit for, just in terms of like just young talent, like what they've been doing, and also on the same coin. The Knicks team is much better for competing with that team. I know people wouldn't want to admit it just because the Grizzlies have like a, a more like complete team, I would say, right now. But the Knicks and Grizzlies have been competing for the last two years. Where like last year, uh, one of my favorite games of the season was that game in yep. overtime where the Knicks and Grizzlies yep. played. Mm. Very intense game, right? The other game where the Grizzlies kind of curb stomped us at MSG, that was frustrating to watch. But these back and forth games between, you know, the second and third pick is so much fun to watch. That's one of my main takeaways. My second takeaway is just that that team is a like a well-oiled machine. Like they all their young players have gotten enough time with each other where they know how they like it, they know how how to play in transition, they know how to play well together. And that guy Jaron Jackson Jr is a freak of nature. Like you guys were talking about, you know, offline, he's the real unicorn in the NBA Facts. right now. Very Walker underrated because he doesn't get to see the court as much, but he's a big guy. He can he, he blocked RJ himself three times yep. in the fourth. He literally shut down RJ. Good length. You could consider him a wing player the way he moves around on the court. Great player overall. And I think that's just the tip of the iceberg with with the Grizzlies team. They got Desmond Baines, mm. uh, Dylan Brooks uh, still not playing in the game. They, they just have a good, well-oiled machine. And uh, I, I, I commend the Knicks for competing with one of the top five teams in the NBA. And, you know, Nafi, I'm going to I'm gonna let you feel a little bit better about that RJ-Jaw comparison. At the end of the day, Jaw's a point guard. If you get a good point guard in the NBA, he's going to get all the praise, everything that you want to see. RJ's yeah. been playing really well for his position in terms of playmaking and stuff. But, uh, you know, Ja could shoot that poorly, but he's still getting eight assists, and that's what people want to see. They want to see a, a point guard who's dynamic, who can play well in transition. I, I like... I love Jaw. I really wasn't big on him before. The only reason I'm so soft on Jaw is because I, I hated his guts when, when he first got drafted in. But he's really grown on me. He's really grown on me as a player. Damn, yeah. bro. What happened? You owe you some money? Like, what I the hell? not salty, bro. I was, so, I was just salty. I was salty at the RJ Jaw comparisons because I thought mm. ja, RJ was a step ahead in terms of pedigree and stuff. So I really did think that RJ should have been ranked ahead of Jaw, but... Man, mm -hmm. he's he's making me eat my crow. He's he's been playing well, man. man. He's been playing with, with he's the been jaw playing situation. Like yeah, no, I was just gonna say with that draft though, I'll just like defer to the experts because I wasn't gonna fucking find a Murray State game to watch. Like, who the fuck watches Murray exactly. State? I didn't know that was a college until the yeah. jaw season. So, no, the, didn't like the janitor find him or something? Like, that's how he oh, was like dead. the draft prospect. True? Like, he they saw him like I don't know. Bro, they, <laughs> not a, they were like he was like playing in an empty court or something like after everything, and then someone peeped him through like the window and was like, "Yo, this that's kid some is shit nice. that Let's ESPN's throwing in, like, out these days just to praise Ja. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> some bullshit. They made that shit up. <laughs> that's a Stephen A. Smith story, right? Stephen A. Smith was like, "No, I that's some shit ja they Morant. say for like the Ja Morant biography in like twenty years or whatever." <laughs> They're like, "Oh, it's a it's random." Nice, it's, it's the prelude nice. chapter before the book starts. You know what I mean? Kid's nice, but I'll say one thing. I didn't like his attitude uh, at the end yeah. of the fourth where he was like he was like flexing on Deuce McBride. Like, come on, man. This guy's coming out of the G League. You flexing on a G League player right now? And, come on. and he's getting job. a little bit more people praise. Like you, when it's you, not a New you know he wasn't going to flex on yeah. RJ, though. You know he wasn't about to exactly. flex on people, RJ. People like the brash, cocky attitude when you are not when you don't got New York across mm -hmm. your chest. It's just I'm going to just be frank about it right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> They don't want New York athletes or New York teams to be like cocky or like have pride or whatever. They got on us last year when we was happy about a fourth seed. But when Ja puffs his chest out, you know what I mean? Oh, whatever, whatever. I'll let it rock. You know what I mean, he's the a great thing player. I'll say about the Grizzlies: a lot of their players are under thirty, and they're not all 
lottery picks. A lot of the, like Desmond Bain, perfect example, yeah. second round pick. And, you know, it's really just Jaron Jackson and Ja who were, I think, lottery. I think, I don't remember if Zaire Williams, I think Zaire Williams was like 13th, right? He was drafted to Philly. Yeah, he was like late lotto. He was this year. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 2021. They got a good they, front office. They got a great they front office. And this is a team that the Knicks should be looking at. That's why we shouldn't be tanking. Look at the Grizzlies. And John Morant, as far as comparisons to, to RJ goes, it's not just because he's a. It's not only because he's a point guard. He just ha- he's a human highlight reel, and every game is a new yeah. highlight that that gets blown Super up. Talented. You Freak know, of nature. so they're, that's why RJ's not getting as much attention as he should be. But now nah, they're they're not that. RJ plays like exactly. calm and cool. He's like a way more quiet type. Exactly. Of game, so, but hey, you you look at RJ, man. He gets into transition and gets those open mm-hmm. dunks too. Like he's just. If we had a it's coach just, that pushed the pace. I don't know, man. It's it's also I'll give you guys I'll I'll give Nafi uh, like a little bail. I like I, I got that from Nafi. I never said that before, but I'll shoot him some bail. Um, <laughs> it's like they they have an agenda for job, bro. Like like Mitch two two plays where Mitch I think the last game in MSG and this game where like Mitch got a take follower or something and he like dunked it after and they're like oh my mm-hmm. god if RJ had I mean if J- if John Moran had made that dunk he didn't make the dunk, bro. That's he crazy didn't get block. It. Like, leave That's what I've seen in fast. That's a point. They do that all season, bro. How many times have we seen like Bleacher Report or ESPN? He's like, oh, imagine if John, John made this dunk. He fucking if, did it. So if, why the fuck he posted it on my page, bro? Like, yeah. I'm gonna sound like a hater right now. I'm gonna probably end up being a full fledged Jaw hater by the end of the summer. But right now, I'm gonna give him his props. He, he reminds me of a young Westbrook with like more more brain power. He owe Nick ish money, bro. Buy a hoodie and we'll let you go. And yeah, one last yeah. shout out to. I also want to pat myself on the back. No, no go ahead, go ahead, go One go. last yeah, shout out to bad. RJ because he's been excluding last night's game. He's been putting in his free throws. I don't know if you guys have been noticing, but mm. seven to seven, yeah, he's five like 85%. to seven, like way better percentage. And now he's up to, I think, That's just about 70%. That's what constitutes a great player. That's what really applause, separates these players. Him. Yep, yep. You think about right. it, you you just average by yourself like 12, 14 points. And if you get to the free throw line to shoot like eight, nine free throws, you're at 20 points right there. And if you can average 20 points a game, you're you're in the upper echelon of NBA players if you're averaging, you know, 20 a game. And RJ's getting real close to that. He's at like 19 points a game right now. So, so he's close. showing the trajectory that we want to see. And I don't know. We should definitely talk about uh, RJ's contract situation in, in, in coming weeks because that's oh, we going to be In due time. But uh, uh, long story short, he's not going to leave. If he leaves, I'm, no. I might be done with the franchise. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. nah. Like, come on now. <laughs> but uh, I was just going to say, pat myself on the back just because we, we were on the, the draft show the nothing but Knicks way back in 2020 and I was like I want Desmond Bain when we took IQ so I'll pat myself on the back for that you know what I mean no shots at IQ I love IQ but the young kid you know some of us seen seen the talent I'm I'm kidding I'm bullshit I didn't think Mm -hmm. he would be this guy like I just thought he'd be a shooter but yeah Grizzlies got a nice core man like but to Mo's point we don't need to be all about tanking when we've got Walt Perrin, the god, in our front office, and he could find talent super late. So if we get, like, a late lotto pick, I'm not even going to be mad or stressing about what could have been. We'll still probably find talent yep. there. All right. I think that about wraps up this episode of Nickish. We appreciate you guys checking out Nickish. Uh, make sure you tune in next week for another episode. Uh, cop yourself a hoodie today, nick-ish.com, as well as a hat. And uh, stay tuned. We got some pretty cool stuff coming out later this week on Instagram. So make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Uh, and yeah, any uh, tomorrow's game? They're going up against who? The Nets, I think. We taking that? So. We taking that Nothing W, yet. man. The, I think it's at, it's at I think Nets, it's Nets at Barclays. We taking that W. I don't, I'm not even gonna ask for your predictions. Until next time, everyone. Take care. Peace. Peace.